What's up guys, Ian Sandusky back here again from Lakewood Machine and Tool. I've decided just about like everyone else on the planet to start a podcast. I know, I know, it's very original. This is going to be more or less in the style of my YouTube series, but a little longer form and hopefully a lot more off topic. In the vein of getting things started that may crash and burn on short order, I'd like to tackle something topical, New Year's resolutions. I know these get a bit of a bad rap as being something you're going to go, you know, put one foot out on the floor for a couple of weeks only to get it thrown out on the back burner, but I do think there's something to be said for making goals for the coming year, even if that's, you know, just a little bit more palatable than a resolution. I'm hoping you'll indulge me with with uh, talking about my story of the last couple of years. I think it may be relatable. Um, you know, this has been a very trying couple of years, so I think relating it to the topic of New Year's resolutions... That might be interesting for some of you, and you know what? If it doesn't work out, we'll try something different next time. In 2020, as many of you guys did, we had an extremely bad year. I don't think that's unique to us, but it also didn't make that any less painful. For those who don't know, um, I have a small job shop just north of Toronto. We have four guys on the floor, two of us in the office. Uh, we have five CNC mills, one CNC lathe and a wire EDM machine. So small, small company, you know, we have three units. Um, we do mainly short run production stuff, you know, anything between 10 and 200 parts typically with a few orders that run into the low thousands. One of our biggest customers over the years was a very, very large office furniture company. They were essentially everything we did at one point. You know, we had other customers for sure, but going back to the late nineties, early two thousands, I, I often like to joke that we were pretty much just a subsidiary of this company. They really sustained us though and contributed towards building Lakewood into what it is today. Um, you know, if we hadn't got that customer, if we hadn't made the choices we made when we made them, we definitely wouldn't be as far as we are today, you know, in terms of developing the company and uh, keeping things going for the last 33 years. But over time, as these things start to happen, we got fat and lazy. We didn't chase enough new business over the years and, you know, we didn't have a guy dedicated for sales when I first started here. Um, you know, we were just kind of resting on our laurels and sticking to what we knew. I started here as a machinist, but I got into business development and sales around 2014, 2015. And that was kind of my bread and butter was going out and trying to diversify us a bit because, you know, my old man at the time realized that we really could not sustain this just with one customer forever. You know, we had multiple customers, but diversifying beyond, you know, one big customer would be something to do. And we did. Um, we did diversify quite a bit, but not nearly enough to be insulated from COVID when it hit and started to absolutely destroy our industry. Our big office furniture customer, while they had been dying off for years as companies moved away from cubicle style offices to more open office plans, um, you know, we did a lot of cube farm stuff for them. And, you know, if eBay bought a building, this company would go in and do all their furniture. So when that started to shift more towards open office plans, already we started to see things start to slow down. And when the stay at home mandates and work from home mandates came into effect, we really saw that start to die off significantly. Um, with production and other industries also shutting down, we really started to feel everything drag. 
orders dried up to the point where I was borderline harassing some of my customers for work. It was absolutely dire. Um, you know, there's only so many times you can call a company and ask if they need work done. There's only so many emails you can send, you know, to follow up and say, Hey, listen, we haven't talked in a week. Do you have any work? It's not a very good situation to be in. I actually had one of the purchasers I work with essentially tell me to stop calling and emailing because there wasn't anything they could do. Their perps weren't rolling off the line, so they didn't need any of the components we manufacture for them. As a note, please never do this. Uh, fortunately, we did have a very good working relationship, so it didn't damage the relationship with a customer directly, but it easily could have spiraled to the point where they'd rather deal with someone else who was less needy. It was, it was bad, guys. I've been in this trade for 10 years. I've never seen things get that slow. And, you know, as a guy who still deals with a lot of the sales and quoting and, you know, back end stuff for my company, I've never seen things get that snow slow. You know, we, we'd have a slow week here and there, which would almost be a break. You know, you get to catch up and get some things done around the shop that you don't usually get to get done, but nothing like this. Absolutely nothing like this. Um, I'll be straight with you guys by May of 2020. I had some months with less than $30,000 in total sales total sales that's not profit that's total sales it's brutal we were taking a loss even with the emergency wage subsidy that the ontario government put in place to uh help us keep people employed but i mean that's nothing i was not at all in a good headspace uh about anything especially not work and you know the future of the company and for the first time in many years i was seriously considering the future of the business um and not from a positive standpoint. I'd taken for granted for quite a while the kind of work we had and just kind of assumed it would always be there. You know, the previous years had shown growth and I didn't think I was getting lazy, but I guess I was getting lazy. It's funny, I'm a guy who constantly advocates for developing new business and pushing towards diversification when it comes to your customer base and I let it lapse. I honestly don't think there was an industry that really got by without feeling knock-on effects, but for us, it was bad. Um, we were at a standstill. I was having guys make up prototypes for potential parts that customers had been considering just in case they wanted to take a look. I had machines sitting idle for literally weeks at a time. There are only so many personal projects and shop improvement projects that you can do, but I wasn't gonna cut my guys hours. They need the money and I needed to retain staff. Um, the only thing worse than losing business would be losing staff. I can go out and develop new business if things get better, but trying to get new staff right now is absolutely impossible. So it would be essentially permanently reducing my talent pool and capacity for work for the foreseeable future. And that in turn would have meant that my business was pretty much cooked. And you know, that was long and short of it. I'd be, I'd be in an even worse situation that would be even more difficult to bounce back from. I knew it pretty deep down that uh, if somehow this shop had to close, that was probably it for ownership in this industry for me. Um, you know, I didn't really have any good options I liked. I mean, this is how crazy it got. I was considering, you know, do I go sell CNC equipment or go work for a tooling distributor? Like, this is, this is crazy. But every option kind of felt like a major step backward and one that I just couldn't recover from in the near future. And so, you know, to make it, about the topic of this episode, I made a goal for 2021, you know, a resolution, if you want to call it that I was going to make it work. It wasn't working and I was going to make it work. That's it. 
That's the whole resolution. That was the whole goal. I didn't want to put a dollar figure on it. I just wanted to be in the black. Lakewood did not need to turn a profit in 2021, in my opinion, or in my goal, I guess. I only wanted to stop the bleeding of 2020. I didn't need to reverse course or get exponential growth, just get myself into a more manageable situation. I think I knew that if I set the goal too high, it would be too easy to get overwhelmed when things weren't going to the moon right away. You know, if things didn't take off, all of a sudden it would just make me feel even worse. So the goal was just get in the black, stop the bleeding. That's it. With that goal in mind, it was much, much easier to create the goals or steps, I guess, to get there. A good analogy is this. When I was growing up, I was training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for many years. I, you know, I, I trained karate for many, many years. I have two black belts in Kempo Karate. I taught for a while. And, you know, after I'd been in karate for four or five years, we started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the place where I, uh, where I worked. And it was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. But I wasn't really good. Not really good at all. Um, any of you guys who know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's more of a chess game than a straight fight. And when I first started, my first goal was always just to beat my training partner. That's it. Just beat him. And believe it or not, I was very rarely successful in reaching that goal. I got beat a lot. I got topped out a lot. Um, I would say it was probably an 80% losing percentage when I first started going. It took a lot of failure until I decided that I needed to set a different goal besides just trying to beat my partner. First off, I decided that I wasn't going to get tapped out by this one kind of choke. It's called a triangle choke. And I was getting hit by them a lot. And I kept losing a lot just from this one move. So that was it. That was the goal. Just do not get tapped out by a triangle choke. It was fine if I got armbarred, guillotined, or any of the other ways that people could make me tap. But my goal was to not get tapped out just by a triangle choke. Pretty soon, I wasn't getting tapped out by that move anymore. You know, I just focused on, you know, if the guy wants to roll me to an armbar, that's fine. If the guy wants to you know, guillotine choke me, that's fine. But I was going to focus on just escaping from triangle chokes and not letting myself get in that situation. And pretty soon I had some decent ability to escape it. Great. That's when the next goal came. Don't get tapped out by an arm bar or a triangle choke. So now instead of just focusing on the triangle choke, I was trying not to get hit by one other move. And before long, you know, although I was never really, I never really got that good at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, that kind of strategy ended up making me more successful much faster than trying to focus on everything at once. So I tried to implement that same kind of strategy at Lakewood. I mean, it's not conscious, and not like I literally thought of that example and then tried to work it into uh, into practice, but you know, looking back, it's kind of the same strategy that I've ended up using with a lot of things. So the first goal under the heading of stop the bleeding was just to get work in the door. Our first problem wasn't that spindles weren't hitting shop rate. Our problem was that our spindles weren't turning with any regularity at all. If I didn't have, I, it didn't have to be rock star lights out, $2,000 an hour work. It just had to be work. I had to get chips flying. For any of you who have followed my shop talk videos, you realize this goes against something I've often advocated against, which is essentially being a bottom feeder or racing to the bottom just to get your spindles turning. Um, it's something I really had to wrestle with. But when the options were take lower paying work, or, you know, and even seek it out, or send guys home, turn the lights off. It wasn't really a choice. So when I started going back through my company records for you know the two years previous, I started looking. What were some jobs that I had turned down? What was some work I quoted on that I hadn't gotten? Either because I quoted too high or because it wasn't hitting my shop rate. 
you know, what, where were those jobs? Try to identify those customers. So once I did, I started reaching out to some of these customers and I was pretty frank with them. I was dead. I had some time. And while, you know, I couldn't hit their desired rate before I had some time now. So why don't we give it a shot? Work started to trickle in and, you know, just goes to show you some of those jobs I thought were, you know, just people trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel on price actually turned out to be profitable. Some of them took some work to get to that point, but you know, it got there sooner than later. Most importantly, it got my foot in the door with some companies I had done little to no work with. And you know, before long goal one reached, I had my spindles turning. Um, we weren't really out of the red, but that wasn't the current goal right now. I was just trying not to get hit with a triangle choke. Now that that was handled, it was time to add, to you know put on an add-on goal. Identify work we weren't currently doing that we could be. I've been with Lakewood for 10 years at this point, and I had a pretty hard and fast rule. Unless you were a very good, consistent customer, we didn't do rush work. None of it. I tried it in the past, but when we were busy with production jobs for larger customers, trying to squeeze in hot parts always ended up feeling like you know a huge headache and really hadn't been worth the time. In 2020, I actually had the incredible good fortune of managing to add a very good new machinist. He was experienced, he was quick, um, he needed very little if any supervision. You know, the kind of guy you could just hand a drawing and a work order to and come back and literally in less time than you think it should take, it's done, it's accurate, he didn't scrap any parts. Like just rockstar machinist. Most importantly, he was very, very good at one-off work. And that was something that we really did not excel at previously. I always tried to stay away from prototype type work or one-off type stuff, but uh, this guy was and is still very, very good at it. And this put an, an idea in my head. And that was if our problems have been before that we didn't do well with one-off type work. And if we had problems fitting in rush work with our capacity, well, what was the problem now? Not only was it not a problem now, but based on the circumstances, we were actually better suited for it than ever. For those of you who don't know, uh, maybe you don't do quoting or you don't run a business or you know, you're know you more just involved with the floor type stuff, but rush and urgent work is some of the hardest offshore for companies because of lead times, they usually can't even account for the shipping time, let alone actually running the parts. Better than that, rush work can actually be billed at a higher rate than the longer lead time work. So if you can do it and you can do it well, you'd be extremely profitable with it. You know, some companies literally their bread and butter is just rush work because it pays that well. And if you're good at it, you know, there's profit to be had. With that idea, I reached out to some companies that essentially had stopped sending me RFQs for rush work over the years because I obviously was turning it down. And honestly, they were pretty happy to hear from me because apparently in my area, you know, I'm in Newmarket, Ontario, there just weren't many shops that do rush work anymore. Everybody had kind of shifted to production or doing their own stuff in-house. And the ones that did do rush work were overloaded, which means they can't take rush work. Bingo. We started taking on shorter lead time jobs and some rush work, and that quickly became a big part of our business in the first quarter of 2021. Um, and because of that, we ended up becoming a very solid supplier for a couple of companies local to us that not only had rush work, but had production work as well. But because, you know, we can do the rush stuff, we didn't, in their eyes, I guess, earn the production stuff. So it was great. So by the end of the first quarter, you know, going into second quarter, I would say actually probably about almost halfway through 2021, the second goal was hit. 
get work on the floor, get work in the door outside of what we usually do. I know I'm making this sound like this was kind of some easy two-step success to digging ourselves out of the hole. I'm glossing over the fact that this was a months-long process um, while we were still bleeding money. We were bleeding less, much less, but the resolutions of not being in the red wasn't actually consistently being hit during this period. You know, we had some months where we would dig ourselves out, and then a month after it would be more pain. It took one more goal before I decided to fully tackle the big resolution, and that was re-diversify our customer base. You've probably heard me talk about this many times so far already in this little episode, but it is one of the most important things you can possibly do. We kind of already hit this during the point where we branched off into different areas of work, but this part was really just an absolute grind of sales. Um, I've made some videos on how to find work on the Practical Machinist YouTube, so feel free to check them out if you'd like to get some more information on that, but I'm not gonna harp on too much about it. It's not that interesting or relevant to this discussion. Um, You know, there's a lot of books and stuff out there about pounding pavement to make sales. So I'm not gonna spend too much time on it right now, but that's what I ended up having to do was go out, make my phone calls, send my emails, chase up work, the not glamorous end of getting work in the door. In the end, we did end up hitting that goal. And in a way we kind of inadvertently hit the resolution. And by third quarter, I would say mid, about, you know, that didn't take that much long after because I was doing that as well a little bit um, as I was doing the first two things. But, but yeah, mid 2021, we were firmly back in the saddle and doing better than we have in years. Um, you know, just for an illustrative sense, we did more revenue in the first five months of 2021 than we did in all of 2020. Now, mind you, our fiscal year is May to May. So, you know, it's not straight January to January, but we're on track to do far, far more than we have since probably 2018 at this point, 2017. So we're actually doing better than we did before the pandemic. I should mention that I did have some side quests, if you want to call it that, during that time. Uh, One thing that we were not successful in was trying to identify a product that we could manufacture ourselves and sell direct that wasn't already a saturated market or, you know, that we saw any value in. Um, This is something that's been a goal of mine for a long time. And I want to talk about that, you know, in a different episode about specifically failure. But for years, we've been trying to chase down something that we can make as our own product and work for ourselves in a way instead of being straight job shop, you know, something to keep the spindles turning when other work doesn't come in. Fortunately, you know, we don't have that problem right now. We have the opposite problem right now where we have too much work not enough guys and not enough spindles. But, you know, it's feast or famine, who knows? So it's always better to try to have your own product, in my opinion. And that was something that we did not succeed in doing in 2020 and moving into 2021. Still something to think about, but just so you guys don't think it was all sunshine and roses and great success, you know, failures did happen and continue to happen. But uh, that was one specifically that I've still not managed to figure out. The whole point of this discussion and the story of my past year is that yeah, right now it's January, a new year just started. It's time to make resolutions and set goals. Um, You know, it's a bit facetious for me to call this a episode strictly just on resolutions. Um, It's really about goal setting. I personally make my goals quarterly and for the next six months rather than for the next year. And you know, this is just if you guys are trying to make some goals for the next year, I advise doing this as well. Setting goals for the whole year is awesome, but you need to revisit them as you go along because otherwise they tend to fade into obscurity or get put on the back burner, you know? It's like 
well, it's like me this year saying, I'm going to lose a couple pounds and get to the gym more than twice a week or three times a week. I need to get back on it. That's a nice big amorphous goal. Um, am I going to remember that goal in three months? Probably not. You know, It's a lot easier to break that up into this week, I am going to go to the gym four times and I am not going to drink copious amounts of beer. You know, it's it's easier to break them up into something that you can actually manage and track rather than um, just one big goal to put forward. The one thing I'm doing this year too is I'm setting some blue sky goals. Um, blue sky goals, when you think blue sky thinking, it's a term I've heard in business before, but basically blue sky thinking is if everything were to go right, we had unlimited money, you know, without being completely hilarious about it and saying, you know, I'm going to buy a 30,000 square foot unit tomorrow and I currently live in my mom's basement, you know, but if things all go right, what are my goals? So I'm setting some of those blue sky goals for the gear, for the year overall. Um, you know, I would love to put another two machines on the floor. I want to get three more guys in the door. I want to build revenues by 50% this year. Um, I want to completely reorganize the entire shop and implement lean practices. These are all nice big blue sky goals. Um, the problem with them is if you just leave them as those blue sky goals, they're not going to happen because, you know, $100,000, $200,000 isn't going to magically show up in my account one day to let me buy a new machine. You need to break these down into manageable, trackable, achievable goals and then, you know, put timelines on those. So I'm breaking mine down quarterly. So, you know, I want to have X in my one account by the end of Q1 2022 in order to buy another machine. Um, you know, I'm putting the goal that if I cannot find another machinist within three months, I'm going to start putting out paid recruiters um, to try to bring more people in here because it's very difficult to find. Um, it's basically putting timelines and time limits on certain things. And it doesn't always have to be a goal. Like I just said there, you know, the goal is to get one guy in this quarter, quarter to work here. But it's also a time limit because if I leave that for the whole year and I don't readjust that goal, the chances of that happening are not high. I need to be able to readjust. And I'm already saying, if I do not hit that goal, here is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, it's focusing on not getting hit with the triangle choke before you worry about getting hit with the arm bar. So I hope this has been helpful, guys. Um, long story short, make a resolution, make some goals. Even if you are not a business owner, you know, maybe your goal this year can be, do you know what? I don't understand live tooling. I'm going to give myself three months on my own time to teach myself live tooling. And if I have not hit that goal and set a reminder in your phone, you know, in the calendar, if I've not hit that goal by March 1st, I am going to invest $200 in an online course. Um, you know, it's not about punishing yourself if you don't do things, but it's giving yourself a timeline that you can hit and revisit. So anyways, guys, I, uh, I don't want to blather on too much longer about this, but I hope this series is going to be helpful for you guys. Um, you know, please like and subscribe if you do enjoy this. If you want to see more of my videos, you can find them on the Practical Machinist YouTube channel, which is www.youtube.com slash Practical Machinist. Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram at Lakewood Machine, Lake, like the big body of water and wood like a tree. Um, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Ian Sandusky, spelled just like in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening, guys. You take care.